skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are going to want to come build this. Put him out. 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 I just see it. I just see it. I just see it. Sighted of a UFO hovering over a barn. Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab and it came back as an unknown creature. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. I am the one that they call Shane, Squatch. <laughs> and I'm Oren. <laughs> and uh, today we have a an interview. Actually, we've been doing a lot of deep dives lately. I think we had a couple interviews mixed in, but we have a super fascinating interview that uh, we kind of bring to you guys today. So we'll try to make sure we run through the front of house stuff as fast as possible. But before we get into tonight's guest, uh, Shane has a really cool announcement for you guys. So for anybody that's been following us for a while, they're somewhat familiar with our work. Um, so last year, we ended up going to West Virginia and we did the Cryptid Halloween event, uh, which is where we both actually got, to, well, Oren got to meet Dave in person for the first time. I got to meet him at Squonkapalooza a little bit prior, which is how we ended up at that event. Uh, he was gracious enough to ask us to speak at his event and everything. And uh, he actually asked us if, you know, if we'd be interested in having him sponsor the show. So now our good friend Dave slash the Snarly Gow is now an official sponsor of of open minds media so if anybody is looking for some awesome all-natural beard uh oil wax and some body products and along with some other little random odds and ends really cool stuff along the way uh, don't forget to go and check out snarly yow uh the beard balm is one of my absolute favorites i use it almost every day it has this really really fresh like minty natural smell to it uh i it's hard for me to completely describe i'll have to try to get like a list of all the ingredients for the next show going forward but it's, it's a really really great scent i think that you guys that are into like the outdoorsy feel of stuff into the natural smells of stuff you guys will really really like snarly house products and uh, of course we have to give them a big shout out and thank dave for now being an official sponsor of the show yeah, Dave is a super cool guy, friend of the show, and now sponsor of the show. So a big thanks to him. And, uh, you know, we say it every week. You guys know the drill. Do all the social media stuff, YouTube, Instagram, Discord, TikTok. We're on all that stuff. So reach out to us. Just get up with us and submit questions, topics, anything you want us to talk about. We're all ears. And if you guys have an encounter that you would like to share, uh, whether you want one of us to investigate it, or you guys would like to just talk about it on the show, or have it read out in the show, or just have somebody to talk about it with in general and just keep it between all of us, um, you guys can always get a hold of us through the Open Minds Media uh, Encounter Reports email, which is OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. Or you guys can uh, go to the link tree. There is a specific submission form for that. And no matter how big, no matter how small, whether it's paranormal, extraterrestrial, cryptid related, weird anomaly related uh, we want to hear about it we want to have a conversation with you about it so don't hesitate to hit us up um, because like i said we might even be able to get out and investigate it for you if you're still trying to figure out what exactly may have happened or 
you know, what your bizarre encounter may have actually even have been in the first place. And another thing you guys can uh, kind of participate in if you want to is you can submit questions for our Patreon exclusive show, Bizarre Inquiries. And, you know, the questions can be anything you guys want us to talk about. It can be something serious. It can be just a zany off the wall topic. It can be, you know, something even not paranormal or cryptid related. If you guys want us to talk about our favorite, you know, comic books or movies or anything like that. We're down for that too. So uh, anything you guys want us to talk about, submit your questions for Bizarre Inquiries. And uh, the first two episodes of that are available on our normal feed and also are available on YouTube. So if you guys haven't had a chance to check that out yet, highly recommend that you do. The third episode was an absolute banger, but that one is a complete Patreon exclusive as of right now. Uh, but the intention is that we'll at least drop one episode a month as far as YouTube and the feed goes. And then the rest of them will be Patreon exclusive content. And uh, while we're talking about Patreon-exclusive content, talking about multiple ways that you guys can support the show, if you guys want to get every episode of Bizarre Inquiries, you guys can go over to the Open Minds Media Patreon. Uh, there you won't just get one show, you'll get multiple shows. I even have another show that I have in, that I have in the works that's going to be a Patreon-exclusive show, uh, but you'll get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes. Uh, there's exclusive giveaways, exclusive hangouts, and I recently updated the four tiers, so there's a lot, new, lot of new benefits over there. So if you guys want to check it out uh, it'd be absolutely appreciated and i even set it up now where we offer a seven day free trial to the three dollar and the five dollar tier so if you guys want to see what it's all about you guys can go over there check it out for seven days and uh not just spend a dollar until you guys figure out exactly what you want as far as the tiers go and uh you guys can also uh go and check out the Open Minds Media Merch Store. And if you become a Patreon member first, there are exclusive merch store discounts depending on which tier you select. But other than that, if you guys want to support all of our work that we do, go and check out the Open Minds Media Merch Store. I got some new designs that I'm working on, so they should be uploading relatively soon. And uh, I'm always going to just continuously try to keep expanding that and do as much as we can over there. And uh, the third way you guys can support the show is through donating to the show directly. Uh, Red Circle is our RSS host. It uh, gives you an option to donate over there. And uh, if it doesn't give you an option to leave some type of personalized message, let us know that you guys donated. And of course, we will give you a big shout out on the show and give appreciation where appreciation's due. And for, fourth, of course, is to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Helps out the algorithm, pushes us towards the top to make it so more people are able to see the show. And of course, sharing word of mouth. That's another awesome way to organically help the show grow. And no matter what you guys do, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, if you can't do any of that, we just appreciate that you guys enjoy the show. And if you are one of those people, you guys could always set up the show on auto-download. And even if you don't listen to every episode, at least give us a listen for those episodes and help push us up the ranks as far as people being able to see us and find our podcast and continuously keep expanding. And in addition to our buddy Dave, the Snarly Yow, we also have to give a huge shout out to our other sponsors. I know Squatch, our buddies Rick and Hans, you know, they're always killing it with their uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, uh, memorabilia and whatnot. We're wearing it all the time. You guys know that. And uh, also Joe at Crypto Theology, he's always killing it with his uh, kind of crazy alien and high strangeness encrypted designs. And I know he has a lot of new stuff that he's been posting and talking about bringing up lately. Uh, I know he's in between convention seasons, so you guys can peek over at that store, and I'm sure you guys will find some new awesome stuff. Uh, same with I know Squatch, continuously, always dropping stuff. And to uh, all my paranormal investigators out there, 
Don't forget to go and check out the Chattergeist. Absolutely fantastic device that I use every single time I go out. It's the all-in-one paranormal investigating device created by Barry over there at Dimension Devices. So if anybody has any technical questions about it whatsoever, you guys can hit him up on Instagram. He'll be able to answer any questions that you guys might have on it. And if you guys decide you guys want to pick one up for yourselves, don't forget to use our affiliate link. We would greatly appreciate it. And it goes back into helping out and supporting the show. And all this shit we've mentioned is in the link tree in the show description. It is my pleasure to introduce to the show chairman and founder of Opus, Les Velez. How's it going today? Hey, great. Great to be here with you, Shane and Oren. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Mr. Les. It's uh, nice to meet you, and uh, we're stoked to have you on the show tonight. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. So, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about uh, what you do and about Opus and uh, just the cool work and the research you guys are doing? Yeah, you know, uh, it's really interesting how each one of us gets involved with this phenomena. And it's certainly an incredible phenomena. And when I was 11 years old, I saw this object and it scared the crap out of me and went into my, you know, went back into my house. This was in a late October evening. And trying to get my father to come out. And by the time he did, it was gone. And he said, oh, it's just a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. And I didn't buy that. And I went to the library, started reading books on UFOs. Anyway, long, long story short. <laughs> 1985, I uh, moved out to uh, California with my wife and my two girls, my two daughters. And Picked up the San Jose Mercury News and Stanton Freeman, this nuclear physicist, was coming to San Jose City College to talk about UFOs and the government cover-up. Well, it was like somebody threw a switch because I kind of forgot about it after the experience that I had when I was 11. And I went there to listen to what he had to say, and it was phenomenal. And on my way out, uh, there was a table set up by MUFA, the Mutual UFO Network. And uh, they have a monthly journal that they publish. And so I decided to get that. It talks about cases that they've been involved in. Then uh, after a while, that wasn't enough for me. So I became a field investigator because they had a field investigator training course. And almost without exception, the cases that I got involved with were not only sightings by these people, but they were telling me that they had contact with non-human intelligences, oh, wow. which blew my mind. You know, certainly the first case that I got involved with I was quite reticent about believing this person, but on, after the second case, the third case, the fourth case, they were all telling me the same thing. So I said, there is something to this. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm facilitating a support group in San Jose, California, and talking to all these people that are having these incredible experiences. And one day I get a call from the, the uh, international head of MUFON saying that a, a reporter would like to talk to me. Would it be possible to give him uh, my contact information? I said, sure. So I have this interview with the guy. He writes up this article, which gets posted in the Monterey Coast Weekly paper. I get a call from a woman shortly thereafter saying that there's something going on with her brain when she's in contact with these people and she'd like to understand what that's all about. So, you know, and I said to myself, well, how can I possibly help her? Well, then she said she was involved with a uh, emergency room doctor down in Carmel, California. 
And I had a doctor friend that was interested in meeting other doctors that were interested in the phenomena. So I called him up. I said, why don't we go down there and talk to this lady? So we did. We went down there and had an incredible afternoon. I mean, it, it, it blew us away that she was able to tell us things about ourselves, that there was no possible way that she could know these things about our, about us. And uh, we subsequently found out that during a near-death experience that she became very psychic afterward. And she did things like helping treasure hunters, working with the captains of galleons that had gone down. I mean, it's like, it just was unbelievable uh, what, what she was telling us. So we came away from that, that situation and saying, how can we possibly help these people? And so we decided that we needed to set up an organization in 1994. Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, was founded. And we're officially a 501c3 nonprofit organization recognized by the IRS. And we've been helping people very succinctly in a way that Basically, that they understand that they're not alone. We have a support group, an international online support group, that these people are talking 24-7 with one another about their experiences and asking questions. And we also have a referral network of mental health practitioners and hypnotherapists that can help these people. And uh, we also recently just set up a, what we call our ESD, our Experiencer Support Team, which are people that have had a lot of experience with people like this in order to help them when they come in and talk to them and find out exactly what they're looking for. So that's it in a nutshell. I mean, really quick. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you know, it sounds like that's some very worthwhile work, especially in this field where, you know, we talk about on the show all the time how, you know, people just not feeling like they're crazy and being able to share their experiences and people to not look down on them and, you know, like I said, think they're crazy and, for this support to be offered to these people, I think that, you know, that's awesome work you guys are doing. And I, I, I don't think there's enough of that in the paranormal community. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who want to talk us included, it seems like, but, you know, to take it a step further and to, you know, truly give these people that support. I, I think that's really cool. So, um, you know, hats well, off to you for all that work you're doing to, you know, help these people out. And, um, you know, the whole MUFON training thing, I think that's really interesting. Uh, and that's something I've actually looked into myself as far as, um, you know, participating in the training exercises. Could you tell us a little bit about that and like kind of what that training entails and um, just kind of your experience? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Back, back in the day when I got involved with it, which was in the early 90s, they, they weren't as sophisticated as they are today. Uh, today, they have much more... Uh, sophisticated uh, training uh, uh, regimen, that protocol that they, they utilize. Back in those days, we, we were given a manual, okay, and they were, you were told that you needed to make yourself aware of all the information in the manual and that they would send out a test, okay, and that if you got a certain score, uh, that uh, you would either pass or you wouldn't pass. And so... Uh, the first go around, I was able to pass the test. But today, they, they literally have uh, uh, boot camps <laughs> where the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the trainees go to. Uh, most of them of recent uh, date have been in Arizona. 
uh, where you spend about a week out there and you go through all the possibilities of what a, a, an investigator would go through, uh, which is much more sophisticated when it, uh, from when I went through it. Okay. And uh, so I, I think that it, it, it's, it's, it's very worthwhile uh, to go through that process in order to investigate cases in a proper way. Um, because, you know, <clears throat> when you have a case where there may be radiation, the last thing you want to do is you want to go into the area. You want to stay out of the area. You want to mark off the area based on the fact that you have a Geiger counter that you can use. Uh, and also there's, there's all kinds of other things factors that uh, play into investigating a case, especially with a, a, a mutilation. The last thing you want to do is you want to walk up to the, the, the animal and, and, you know, start messing around with that. You, you want to start to work from the outside in and, and look at what's going on. Is there blood traces? Is there other types of traces? Are there Footprints are there all kind? I mean, you know, there's so many factors that go into something like this. Uh, so uh, they, they've they've progressed quite far, uh, and they're becoming more and more professional uh, with regard to their uh, working with uh, in, investigators and how to how to really investigate cases. It's mo much more forensic in nature than it's ever been. Yeah, just a little bit of research I did into, you know, the process and going through the training and being accredited as a MUFON investigator. I couldn't believe, you know, just how seriously they take it. And, you know, like you said, it is like being trained to uh, be a forensic investigator almost at that point. So uh, thank yeah. you so much for sharing a little bit of that information. That's just kind of, you know, something I've been interested in for a long time now. And I've never had the opportunity to talk to someone who actually went through the training. So thank you. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. You're absolutely welcome. Just out of uh, curiosity, <clears throat> do you like work a little bit side by side with like MUFON? Do they uh, like send people over to you that kind of need some like additional help as far as like being able to mentally cope with their experiences? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I work very closely. Matter of fact, I'm a member of the uh, MUFON ERT, their experience and resource team, as a consultant, a research consultant. Uh, but oftentimes I will get referrals from from that organization uh, to my organization where people are looking for certain things and whether it's a support group uh, which we do provide and a totally online uh, international confidential support group uh, which MUFON does not have uh, and then uh, we also have a referral network of mental health practitioners and hypnotherapists, which also MUFON does have. And that we also share information with regard to who we have on our list and who they have on their list. And then whenever somebody gets a new member to join, then we share that information, which is really positive. And that's the kind of thing that's really important, that organizations like this, that they actually work together instead of, you know, going off and, you know, trying to do their own thing without any any other interference or help from anybody else. I mean, the bottom line is that this is a phenomenon that is very important 
and and that we're seeing more and more of this type of thing going on and more revelations to the fact that it's going on. I mean, we have so many things going on now that uh, people have been able to document uh, because we have these funny things in our pocket called a cell phone that has a camera on it. And it, 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 it's incredible the amount of information now that we're, we're, we're getting funneled to us. And, uh, there's definitely something going on, and the bottom line is, what is it? And, and, and that's the big question. You know, is it extraterrestrial in nature? Is it interdimensional? Which, just recently, uh, uh, out of the last gift meeting that uh, was held in Congress this past week, um, that or last, I guess, it was the end of last week actually, that uh, they were talking about interdimensional interdimensionality, which. I've never heard that before come out of there. You know, we've talked about extraterrestrials. We've talked about, you know, time travelers. We've talked about a whole bunch of other stuff. But interdimensionals, that's really interesting. And this was a, I think it was Congressman Luna from uh, Florida that, that said that when she was interviewed after that skiff meeting that they had. So um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. And I tell you what, guys. We're very, very uh, um, fortunate that this is going on now in your lifetime because I think hopefully I will hear about the fact that we're not alone before I croak. <laughs> but I think there's a good chance of hearing that before you guys do that. So, See, I think we've gotten to a point where everybody's kind of aware that there's something out there. And the main question is more so like, where are they coming from exactly? Because people have the different theories of them being extraterrestrial, interdimensional. Some people suggest even that they might be, you know, under the water, they might be under the surface of the earth in some form of like hollow earth. So it's like, it's, it's kind of weird that it's gotten to a point where rather than completely denying the existence of it altogether, like people did for years, now it's like everybody has a little hankering and they kind of know that something else is out there. And like, honestly, the biggest question is where are they coming from more so than anything? Well, I think that, that that's obviously a good question. And, and the bottom line is, I think it could be multiple places. Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't, we're, we're not at the top of the food chain. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could be extraterrestrial in nature. I think it could be time travelers. I think it could be interdimensionals. I, I think it could be anything you can possibly think of. You know, um, you know our military in, involvement, uh, Poltergeist activity. I mean, it's it's like once you start going down that rabbit hole, the possibilities are are multiplied, totally multiplied. Yeah, that's something we talk about on the show all the time. Is you know you don't have to go down the rabbit hole very far or very deep before you start seeing the connections between all these different phenomena. Like you said, the poltergeist activity is you know very intertwined with the whole UFO phenomenon. Uh, so kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, I thought it was interesting um, when you were kind of given the rundown of your career and how you got started, um, you were kind of talking about near-death experiences a little bit. And that's something that I've seen pop up a few times it, like in regards to the UFO phenomenon or you know whatever the phenomenon behind these kind of encounters are. Uh, do you have any thoughts on what a near-death experience, one, could be, and two, 
kind of how that interplays with the UFO phenomenon. Yeah, I think that um, this is, a, again, another aspect of, of, of what we're going through. Um, <clears throat> you know, there was a, a, a woman doctor that uh, had an experience uh, that was publicized uh, in a big way. Uh, she was down in South America on a, uh, a kayaking uh, journey down this one river. And uh, she went over the falls in her kayak and got trapped at the bottom of the falls. And she was trapped for over 30 minutes underwater. Most people would, would die for lack of oxygen, etc. But during that period of time, she met these entities. And these entities, she felt they were so loving that she didn't want to leave, you know, her body or anything. She wanted to go with them. Okay. And they told her, no, 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 you can't. You can't. You have to go back. You have to go back. And uh, during that time, uh, that same time, they told her, and this is the interesting part of the story, other than the fact that she survived being underwater for 30 minutes, was the fact that her son, who was a little boy at that time, when he turned 18, would have an accident and he would die. Okay, so she comes back, she, she's rescued, she's all right, no brain damage, no nothing. I mean, that's incredible in and of itself. So time passes, she never says anything to her son about this, obviously. When he turns 18, she, he gets into a car accident and dies. <laughs> what is that all about? So, as far as near-death experiences are concerned, it, it's, it's, it's like a, um, an epiphany of some sort where you, you, you're able to understand certain things. Uh, you connect with certain entities uh, that... Uh, have the capability to tell you certain things. Um, you know, we did a study. We just finished the first phase of the Omega-4 study where we, we went out to therapists and asked them certain questions. And the, the question was, what are your patients running into? What is the, the number one thing? The number one thing was the grays. Mm -hmm. Most people talk about the grays. Second thing was orbs. Orbs are a huge thing right now, big time. Mm -hmm. The third thing was interdimensional entities, and the fourth thing was poltergeist activity. A lot of and, and, and a lot of this is just very much interconnected. It's very very inter interconnected, and I and I think that again we we truly do not understand what all of this means, and that. There are, there are realities that we truly do not understand. Um, and th this has been going on for eons. Ever since, you know, the amoeba <laughs> crawled out of the ocean and decided to grow some legs and some arms and things like that or whatever, uh, it, 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 it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal that there's so much to this that we truly do not understand and that is so significant 
because it, it, it has a lot of meaning, you know, to be able to, you know, people that have had these experiences come away with psychic abilities, healing abilities, uh, all kinds of things that are just mind boggling. Um, you know, so what little we understand today, and it's very little, uh, really portends the fact that there's so much more that we need to understand and, and to try to uh, navigate uh, to hopefully better our situation. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we live in a society that is so warlike, unfortunately. Uh, you know, you've got the Ukraine war, you've got you've got so many conflicts going on, you know, in Israel right now and all these other places that, uh, you know, why is that going on? What, why do we need to have that? What's driving that? That That's a whole nother question. I mean, that, of course, I've always said the reason why is because we got a bunch of crazy dudes running the show and we need to put some women in place and maybe do something a little different. <laughs> So, uh, as far as, um, I guess like, like the extraterrestrial stuff goes as far as the link between the paranormal, uh, like poltergeist, like all of it across the board, does it seem like there's some type of like, uh, like, like they all seem to be doing it for like the same reason, or does it seem like it's all just kind of sporadic where these are just a mix of a bunch of different entities that all seem to kind of possibly interact possibly from the same place? Or do you think it's also possible that these things could just be somewhat of the same things coming from the same place and just possibly using different masks depending on what their intention is to do, whether it's like observing us, um, just trying to interact with us to see like as an experiment, like how we might react to things. Like, like what, what do you think the, the reasoning for it might be? Well, I think that uh, we have multiple entities that are interacting with us. And we have some that are good. We have some that are bad. Um, and it, it's, it's something that just like we have here on earth, we have, multiple uh, ethnicities. We have multiple people that are good people. We have multiple people that are bad people. Um, and the same thing is, is going on in the universe, you know, and we've been visited by various civilizations. Um, I mean, I've heard numbers as high as God, I don't know, 186 or something like that. But, you know, the bottom line is that what it boils down to, we have the greys, we have the reptilians, we have the Nordics, we have the tall greys, we have the short greys, uh, we have the mantid type people. Um, and these continually come up over the years, you know, discussing what people have interacted with. Now, whether or not those are screen memories of some sort, uh, it's, it's totally a possibility. But the bottom line on all this is that it's just another reality that we don't understand, that we're not at the top of the food chain. There's another reality that exists above us. Just like, you know, I always use this uh, analogy that, you know, when we go out into the ocean and we pull a dolphin out of the ocean as, as you know, researchers, and we tag them, we put a tag on them, we take blood out of them, 
we measure them. Uh, and then we throw them back in the water. And a year later, we come back and pull them out. Oh, it's the same fish. We've got to measure them again. We take some more blood samples. We look at the tag. You know, this goes on. And so these pe- these entities, these creatures are being taken out of their environment, the ocean, and put into a whole nother place, you know, on our boat, okay, our ship, <laughs> if you will. And, they're <laughs> and that's what they're doing to us. It's the same thing. It's no different. It's just that, you know, and then they say, well, oh, my God, they're so smart. Well, why do I have to do this time and time again? Well, guess what? There's a whole new generation coming along, just like in college. You're going to teach them the same shit over and over again. <laughs> 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 and so they got to pull that that human out of their bedroom, bring him on board the ship, take, take samples out of him, stick probes in them, put an put a implant in them, you know, and send them back. And, you know, a year later they come back and or maybe even sooner. I mean, of course there's always going to be like little random variations to it for the most part, but does it seem like, like per different type of race of extraterrestrial interdimensional, however you, however you kind of want to view it, does it seem like each individual race has a different like purpose or intention overall, or does it seem like even within like each individual type of interaction with each individual uh, type of being that there's just, it's all over the place on what their purpose or reasoning behind what they might be doing is? It seems like it's very consistent with regard to what they're doing. Um, and, and it doesn't matter what race it is that's doing it, uh, yeah. which is, that's an interesting fact in and of itself, uh, that you're, you're looking at whoever they may be. And, and maybe, maybe with, with, you know, there's some screen mem- memory type things going on here because, you know, for whatever reason, they may decide that, okay, I need to look like a mantis tonight or I got to look like a tall gray or a short gray. Uh, although it seems like all these other uh, races, if you will, uh, utilize this small grays to do their dirty work. Uh, there must be like this, uh, this uh, large... Uh, uh, Apple store in the universe where all the grades, you can go in and purchase a grade and do your dirty work. I don't know. But uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting uh, that uh, this kind of thing seems to be super consistent with regard to what is going on when these people are abducted. Now, that presents a whole nother possibility with regard to why is it so consistent and if you're dealing with multiple races, then are you really dealing with multiple races or are you dealing with one race? And then are you dealing with uh, something that is totally a screen memory of some sort, that there's something else going on? You know, is it some kind of a psychopathology that we, we don't recognize? Uh, Thus far, we have not come up with any, you know, psychological or psychiatric uh, uh, situation that would define that. Um, and, you know, I've done a, a number of studies where we've, we've looked at these experiences and none of them had any psychopathology that we understand. Now, maybe it's some mysterious psychopathology that we don't understand. 
but uh, you know we're open to you know, suggestion in that regard for sure. But it seems like from a physical standpoint that there is something definitely going on. I mean, when these people are brought back, they have somebody else's clothes on or they don't have clothes on when they had clothes on or it's inside out or they, you know, it all kind of implants. These implants are absolutely obvious types of uh, proof that something has gone on with these people. Um, you know, the late Dr. Roger Lear did, took uh, 17 patients that he interacted with and they removed these implants and they were very peculiar, very peculiar. They had no, no rejection response from the human body, no portals of entry. They, uh, they had uh, transmitted frequencies in a deep space uh, type frequencies. Uh, they had uh, uh, isotopic ratios that were not earthly. I mean, so who the hell is putting those kind of things? So the right, right away you start to think, okay, so this is physical. This is very physical. It's not just mental. And then the big question is, and I think you asked this, Shane, earlier, that where are they from? Why are they here? Why are they doing this? And I think the, the answer is that there's from, they're from multiple places, whether it's Orion, whether it's here. Uh, the Andromeda area, you know, so many different places that probably they could be from. But, you know, the bottom line is, what's the purpose of doing this kind of thing? And again, just like we do with dolphins and animals, we're not at the top of the food chain. So these, <laughs> they're, they're doing stuff to us that we do to, to lower forms of uh, animals and, and, and on our planet. So it's, uh, for me, it's not that surprising. Just to bring up a reference to uh, what you're saying about like the Apple store of grays. Um, I was kind of thinking, we talk about this like biological drone concept quite frequently on the show that a lot of what these beings are that we might be dealing with might not actually physically be them, but rather some form of like a drone. Cause even with like human technology, it's kind of getting to the point where, you know, a lot of the battlefield is drones. Like they want to move towards robots. They don't actually physically want like a body there, even for just safety reasons. So I've been kind of curious again, making kind of a reference to what you were saying with the grays. If uh, these different types of races or beings might be just like different models of biological drones that might be a little bit better for this purpose or this purpose, depending on what your intention is and what you're trying to do with them. And uh, just to kind of throw in another idea on uh, like what the reasoning behind uh, like why this stuff could be happening too. Of course, you know, the extraterrestrial interdimensional concept is definitely something that weighs heavy in my mind. But on the other side of it too, I always wonder about the like human interaction concept of it too. And uh, if some of this stuff might actually be just humans trying to conduct experiments that you wouldn't typically be able to do on somebody uh, without, you know, it being like a war crime or how, whatever, like the continuation of like uh, all of like the secret programs that the Nazis and stuff were doing. Uh, but yeah. from our research, we've kind of noticed a commonality with uh, some mask lines with some experiences. So I was curious also if you've interacted with people that have made reference to uh, like mask lines when they're being abducted too. There, there are many possibilities, and I, and I also, when I, when I talk about this, you know, are they interdimensional? Are they uh, 
extraterrestrial? Are they time travelers? Are they our military? Okay. I definitely think that that's a distinct possibility that, you know, we're messing with our own people or they are messing with us <laughs> uh, in order to gain certain, certain understanding of how people would react in certain ways uh, with certain situations. There's no question about that in my mind, that that's another distinct possibility. And, and, and there's been people that have talked about that, that they have had, like uh, Melinda Leslie, for instance. Uh, you know, she she was had what they call mill labs, you know, military abductions. Uh, and, and they were interrogating her and doing things to her. Uh, in order to gain certain knowledge. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, this it's, it's a multi-headed phenomena. Uh, it's not just one thing, it's multiple things, which makes it very difficult to, for anyone, I think, to say it's definitely this or it's definitely that. It's definitely a multitude of things that are happening at the same time. So even if humans theoretically could figure out how to plant screen memories the same as like extraterrestrials slash interdimensionals could too, you could have this back and forth concept where the extraterrestrials are screen memory doing screen memories with like humans or with owls or whatever they happen to choose that kind of has somewhat of the common feature. And then on the other side of it, if there's humans that are doing some of this stuff and they have an understanding of this technology and how to use it, then they might be covering up themselves with screen memories of extraterrestrials. So it's like, it's double-sided that you don't really know how many layers the screen memories could realistically be in because it could be hidden under three layers of different screen memories intentionally so that yeah. it's hard to find yeah. the truth in the middle of it. <clears throat> I, I totally agree with that, you know, Shane. It's, it's we, we don't, you know, it's an enigma shrouded in a phenomenon. <laughs> um, it, it, it's very complicated, you know, we, we, and that's what makes it difficult to truly understand what it is, um, because there's so many possibilities to what it is. Uh, you know, and various people have come forward over the years that have said certain things, and it may be very much oriented to what they personally experienced. Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't mean that applies to everyone. And so does that mean that, that that's exactly what's happening? It may have just happened to that person, but there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes on that is very different. It's very different. And uh, so it's, it's difficult to just, you know, say it's one thing or another. It's, it's multiple things, multiple things. So uh, kind of circling back to some comments we made earlier, uh, Mr. Les, you were talking about how a lot of these abductions and these encounters that people have are very similar and, you know, they follow the same beats. Um, in your experience, have you talked to anybody who had an encounter that, you know, it was just like an oddball, something that was so, you know, different from what you normally get that kind of stuck out to you? Well, I think what it is is that each each individual situation has uh, parts of it that are different. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it and say, okay, <clears throat> here's these people, they saw an object, 
They had missing time. They don't remember what happened during that missing time. They ended up in a place that they don't know how they got to. And then subsequently, either through hypnosis or through time, they start to remember bits and pieces of the story. Um, so each part of the stories are usually different. But the overall subject matter or scenario with what goes on is very common. You know, so I had, I had a couple that uh, I worked with. One of the first cases I, I investigated uh, when I was an investigator for MUFON, they were amateur pilots, <clears throat> and they were picnicking in a, in a park north of Santa Cruz, California, and uh, they saw this light over the ocean. They were coming out at dusk, coming out of the park, and this light got bigger and bigger until it was literally over their head, and it was a triangular craft about the size of a small Learjet. And it proceeded silently past them into a canyon behind where they were standing. And they noticed this other light. And the light got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was finally over their head in another triangular craft. The first one, they felt they were looking at it. The second one, they felt it was looking at them. And they got frightened. And so... They decided to get out of there. And during that process of getting out of there, they felt like they were kind of robotic in nature. They were, they were floating. They felt that they were floating. And they got down to their car. And when they got down to their car, that's the last thing you remember for three hours. And when they showed up at a restaurant, which is only five to ten minutes away from where they were, they had no idea how they got there. Okay. Another story. A couple, he's a, 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 a park ranger and his girlfriend are coming back from dinner and it's like dusk and they notice this object in the field by this road that they were coming down. He, he was living in a trailer at, at a state park, okay? Mm -hmm. It was a large object reflecting orangey, bluish, reddish gold, all, all kinds of colors on the, on the ground. Normally, from where they saw it, it would only take them five minutes to get to the uh, trailer. They lost three hours. That night, he was abducted. She saw these entities come through the, the wall of the trailer and take him out, right through the wall. Now, these are the kind of stories that you hear. Each one is a little bit different with regard to the description. But the bottom line is that you see something, missing time, and then all kinds of things happen. This couple, the first couple I told you about, they came to one of the support group meetings I had. And they had a picture of a rash that they both developed after this incident. They had gone to both their doctors. The doctors didn't know what was going on. <clears throat> Almost without exception, the people in the group said, I, I know what that's about. And uh, that 
or, or they they knew that they had a very similar type of a rash that they developed after an experience. And one of the people in the group said, I know what that's all about. Hmm. And so we said, okay, please tell us. And she says, well, it's it's a uh, reaction to the fluid that they dip you in to sanitize you when they br- bring you on board the craft. Hmm. And so literally, this this happened 30 years ago for me. I got a call from them a couple of months ago. All of a sudden, they're starting to remember things. And the woman says, I remember being dipped in this fluid. Hmm. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, like I say, each story has a kind of a general thing that people go through, but the individual little nuances of each story is different. So, hmm. very interesting. Just out of uh, curiosity, too, just because it's since we're on the on the uh, on the line of talking about uh, different cases and experiences that you've uh, talked to people about, uh, one thing that we seem to dig into a lot on the show is uh, the whole like hybridization concept. So, at least from like some of the people that you've dealt with, um, have you had anybody that has come to you talking about uh, maybe their role in like the hybridization or um, something that may have happened to them that kind of furthered hybridization or somebody that has even said that they themselves were possibly a hybrid? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, a matter of fact, there was a lady that, uh, Cindy Crawford, that uh, told me that she was a hybrid. And, uh, she she did a lot of this kind of work. She she developed these these statues, and um, she had her organs were different in her body than you and I. Uh, and unfortunately, she passed away a couple of years ago. And 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 so there 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 seems to be a a real definite um, realization that uh, they walk among us. David Jacobs in his most recent book talks about these, not as hybrids, but as hubrids, because they, they, they are so good as far as how they look. You can't tell them apart from you and I, you know, maybe, maybe Oren is a, is a hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some secrets he's not telling me over there. Surprise anybody at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's so blurry tonight. (laughs) Just out of uh, curiosity, too, uh, have you kind of uh, found from anybody, maybe from their own experiences, possibly overhearing something with the extraterrestrials or whatever, wherever these things might be coming from? is there like a reason why they seem to be wanting to like hybridize? Is it because of possibly they just want to be able to like walk amongst us or it's for the sake of just seeing if they can do it or an experiment? Like, is there any yeah, like reasoning for it that, that you've come there's, across? There's a number of uh, thoughts about that. Um, one is that they are um, in need of doing this because their race is dying. And so this is this is a means for them to survive in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the other one, which is not as nice, uh, is the fact that uh, they can literally take over 
without, you know, pulling out their ray guns or <laughs> doing anything drastic, um, that eventually we will all be them, okay? We will all be them based on this. And, you know, back in 1992, the Roper organization did a survey and they said at that point, like six million people in the United States uh, had experiences, had been abducted. Well, fast forward in time and, 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 and how the population has grown, and this is a worldwide phenomenon, how many people have been abducted and things have been done to them. And I, I firmly believe, and this is, and I think I mentioned this in your last show, uh, Shane, that um, I believe we've all had an experience, whether we consciously remember it or not. And, and let me give you an example of that. Um, one of the meetings uh, that I had in my office in San Jose, uh, support group meetings, uh, a woman said to me, says, I've seen you before. I said, oh, really? We're at a UFO conference? Says, no, no, no. I saw you on board the craft. <laughs> oh, Wow. Okay, that, that's quite a revelation. And I kind of blew it off. I didn't think much about it. Then it was like a year and a half, two years later that somebody totally different, not the same person, but I've seen you before. I said, really, where? Gas station, UFO conference, whatever. No, no, no. I saw you on board the craft. You were sitting on this bench naked and you were freaking out. And they told me to go over to you to calm you down. Well, at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to go get regressed. I'm going to try to find out. And I had, I could not find out anything along those lines, but I had multiple past lives, multiple past lives. And a, a little bit later, I talked to another person. I told them this whole scenario. And they said, well, maybe this person somehow tapped into a past life where you were abducted, where you did have that kind of experience. And that's the thing that, these entities seem to be able to do is that they can manipulate space and time. And, and this is a common factor that goes on with people that are having experiences that they seem to be able to mess with time frames, whether it's, you know, they can bring you back before they take you. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, 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 it's mind boggling. You know, when, when you talk, you think about and talk about the fact that all these things can be, manipulated you know whether you know you're sitting there in your chair and i'm sitting here in my chair and we're, we're we're talking to one another but in fact this happened 20 years ago or it's going to happen 20 years from now it, it, but right now it's happening you know i mean this is the manipulation of time and space that we, we just don't fully understand it but it's, they seem to be able to do that they seem to be able to control those kind of things. And uh, it's it just, it just mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. No, that's so interesting. I've never heard anybody kind of piece together the past lives – you know, possibly, you know, you could have been abducted in a past life. So that's a connection I've never heard anybody make, and I think that's – really interesting and i think that could go a long way to explaining why a lot of these memories are so fuzzy and you know you can only recall them under certain circumstances and things like that so i think that is a fascinating take and a fascinating way to look at the phenomenon 
and again, once you dig below the surface a little bit, we're seeing all these connections between different fringe, you know, uh, topics and different phenomena. So, no, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, you know, I've done some interviews with some people that, uh, you know, have uh, done done uh, a lot of uh, paranormal research with regard to uh, interacting with the past people that have passed on uh, and that they've been able to connect with these people. And that, that's a whole nother thing that is, is, is incredible. I had this one woman that was talking about the fact that she was investigating this poltergeist activity in, in a uh, uh, colonial house uh, back in Virginia, I think it was. And uh, she was able to, through this EVP type stuff, you know, listening to these recordings, have a conversation with this entity and it was obvious this entity was during the uh, Revolutionary War. During the Revol she could hear gunfire. She could hear different things that were going on. And this person, this person that she was in communication with was telling her that she, this person that on the other side, if you will, looked at her and said, you look dead. You look like you're dead. <laughs> and I mean... It, uh, <laughs> It, it's a it's a fabulous interview that's on my site. Uh, if you ever get a chance, you should go there. It's a it's a fascinating interview. Um, it blew me away. And plus, she had interviews or actually experiences with entities that she was able to take pictures of that were in trees near this this uh, this uh, establishment that where where she was investigating. I mean, it was like <laughs> there's a lot of wild stuff. A lot of wild stuff. To bring it back to the whole like time loss concept too, it almost kind of makes you wonder if it proves it one of which two ways that either one, these things are interdimensional. So in turn, they're able to warp time because they may not necessarily be specifically on our timeline and they might be able to kind of enter at any point, almost like, you know, time is a river and they're standing out on the bank. They can kind of pick where they want to hop in at yeah. or on the other side of it, it kind of proves that they have some type of uh, advanced like wormhole or portal technology um, because everybody talks about the whole concept that uh, theoretically black holes would be able to manipulate time, space, light, everything. So, I mean, either one it proves how these things are potentially traveling or on the other side it proves that they are coming from another reality just because they have this factor involved with them yeah and and, and that's a thing that uh opens up the possibilities that uh, it could be any of the above that you just mentioned um <laughs> you know I'm, I'm not a physicist and i certainly don't understand a lot of this uh Type of a thing. However, I'm open-minded enough to understand the fact that anything is possible. You know, some of our physicists that we have today are so close-minded about this. Well, they can't possibly be coming here as being extraterrestrial because it's not possible to get here from wherever they're coming because it would be, you know, thousands of years, you know. But, well, that doesn't mean that they have a different physics that they understand. And I think that's exactly what's going on, that they're, they're able to utilize a wormhole or they be able to utilize time dilation. I mean, the Reynoldsham Forest case, um, these were time travelers, evidently. They came back from 40,000 years in our future. 
How'd they do that? <laughs> Very interesting stuff. So uh, I don't think I've actually actually ever heard that case. Uh, what, what's kind of like the details as far as that case goes? Oh my goodness! 1980 in Reynolds, uh, the uh, Bentwaters uh, RAF uh, military base there that the U.S. was utilizing at the time for military purposes. Um, this object came in, and uh, these two security people, John Burroughs and a and a Peniston, I forget his first name, um, went out to investigate this object. And they came upon it. And it was this craft. And it had strange symbols on it. And one of them basically kind of disappeared, <laughs> was taken in some way, shape, or form. And... Uh, the uh, commanding officer at the time was out there. They saw this thing. He had a tape recording of what they were what they were seeing, and uh, so it was very significant. Um, so you have an object, you have people missing, uh, you have people coming back eventually, telling these stories. Pennison uh, talks about the fact that he was he was given this code that he downloaded uh, and he wrote it down and, and the words that it all transpired with this code, it, it was a binary code that was utilized and uh, basically, you know, beware of uh, people telling you stories or something along those lines. I forget exactly what it said, but and Burroughs had some major health problems afterwards and uh, eventually was able to get relief for that. Uh, but the bottom line was that multiple people saw this object, interacted with the object. Um, and so as far as probably being one of the most important cases, it's probably at the top of the list, absolutely at the top of the list, because you have people that are still alive today Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've, I've, I've had drinks with Peniston and I, I was interviewed by uh, uh, Burroughs and uh, Linda Moulton Howe um, when she had that uh, show on the paranormal and uh, which I understand I think she's going to get back onto that show too um, but something definitely happened definitely was there uh, there was radiation, significant radiation in that area. There was imprints in, in the ground where this thing had landed. I mean, it was a phenomenal case, absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, the bottom line is that we have so much proof. We have so many people talking about these stories. There is a, a, a conscious dis dissonance that is going on with people that they they're just not open open to this. They don't want to hear this. They don't need to hear this. They don't want to hear this. Um, because, you know, they get up in the morning, they go to work, they uh, come home at night, they have dinner, they watch some TV, they go to bed, they get up in the morning, go to work, same routine over and over. You know, and, 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 and so, not that that's bad. 
it, it's just that they need they, their focus is so different. It's like they've got to put food on the table, you got to take care of their kids, and all of that. But there's this whole other reality that's going on that is is, is so significant that if we truly better understand it, I think it could significantly better our lives. See, that's one of those things, too, that it's like we seem to go in periods where we start developing a lot more. And I wonder if it's because everybody gets to this level of comfortability and then they end up wanting to break away from that because the cycle gets too repetitive. So maybe within each of those times that everybody starts getting too much into a cycle, that is the cause of what happens for a new advancement because people want to break away from that because they're tired of just seeing the same mundane, everyday, continuous cycle always happening. You know, we've, we've been through this process many times, many times, you know, in the early, in the 50s, you know, the, we had a lot of military people that were coming out saying, yeah, there's something going on and we need to investigate it. And Blue Book was uh, initiated and the Robertson panel and all these things. And it's the same, it's the same scenario, but it's 60 years later and we're going through the same process. And hopefully, hopefully this time we'll actually get a little bit further in the process and that we actually do tell people what's truly going on. I mean, I can understand this, the, the, the national security aspects of this. You know, the Russians want this, the Chinese want this, the North Koreans want it, whoever, Iranians want this, you know, and so... If, if we actually come up with this technology and are able to do what these things do, there would be no power in, in the world that could defeat us. We've, we could wipe them all out. We could just wipe everybody out and, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take a nuclear weapon. They, they, they couldn't get anything off the ground. <laughs> they couldn't get a missile off the ground. I mean, it would be just, you know, it'd be all over. So I, I think if, if we're getting that close to understanding the capability of these things, which during a luncheon I had with Lou Elizondo a couple of years before uh, uh, COVID shut everything down, he says they think they understand how these things operate. If, and, and that was somewhat in confidence, and I shouldn't be spilling the beans, but the bottom line <laughs> is I'm thinking everything needs to be spilled. We need to tell everybody what's going on. So when I heard that from him, I, I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. I wonder if that's one of those things that it kind of has to get released everywhere all at once so that it almost creates like a stalemate. And then there won't necessarily be like one controlling superpower government. Like it just has to be unleashed amongst everybody all at once. So then everybody has the same opportunity and power so that nobody would end up doing it to somebody else because somebody else would have the same power they have. It would just kind of stalemate it all out. <laughs> It reminds me of the atomic bomb. I mean, you know, we had the atomic bomb first, but somehow the Russians got a hold of it. <laughs> they figured it out. And so then we be we became this, uh, you know, equal powers, you know. Um, now, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, we try to keep all this stuff secret, but I think if uh, this... If we have this kind of stuff, probably the Russians already know about it, and probably the Chinese too, because the Chinese have been super aggressive with regard to infiltrating all our, our you know, industrial complexes 
and things like that. I mean, I was in the electronics world, and I I was privy to some of, some of this stuff that uh, the Chinese were doing, and uh, they were they were amazing in their ability to to dig in and 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 try to find some of this stuff out. So, you know, they're they're not they're not going to let any grass grow under their feet. They're 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 digging and definitely trying to you know understand what what the hell we know. <laughs> so uh, I guess kind of digging back a little bit into your work uh, before we run out of time here. I know that obviously you do a lot of great work with your organization, and it's all nonprofit. So of course you be have, you have to be able to fund it a little bit behind the scenes. So I know that you you do books, uh, you got your YouTube channel set up and everything. Uh, so for anybody that might want to sh- throw some support to your nonprofit, uh, why don't you let them know a little bit about your book, a little bit about your YouTube channel, and any other ways that they could possibly support your work? Oh, well, thank you, Shane. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I uh, published a book a couple of years ago called The uh, Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. And uh, basically, it's an overview of uh, the phenomena, uh, but also a little bit of background on Opus and how we got started and what we're doing. Um, and I, I think it's a good read, for, especially for people that are not super familiar with the topic, you know, because we, we, we talk about you know, implants, we talk about an hybridization process, we talk about the abduction process, we talk about the effects of the, uh, the process, so the physical effects of the process, the psychological effects of the process, I even go into some of the UAP uh, uh, information with regard to the government uh, that's in there. Um, we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, if you go to Opus, separate word network, uh, we would love you to, to uh, go there. I have a lot of my interviews that I do. And uh, uh, please subscribe. We, we need the help to, uh, for you to subscribe on that channel because that way we can monetize things. And, of course, mm-hmm. as a nonprofit, we, <laughs> we depend on donations and things of that nature. So if we can monetize the site, that would be real. And we're close. I think we have about 800 we need a thousand, so we need two hundred more people <laughs> to uh, subscribe, and then, then we can monetize the channel. But go to Opus Network. That's one word: opusnetwork.org, where our um, uh, website is, and we have a lot of information there. We have articles and uh, documents that are very interesting, um, and uh, we're always looking for. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we, we do a couple of things for uh, experiencers. We have uh, a support group, a confidential online support group, where we have almost 400 people from around the world that are talking 24-7 uh, about their experiences and asking questions. And then we have a referral network of, of uh, mental health practitioners and uh, hypnotherapists that if a person is looking for that kind of help, and then we have a, a third group called our EST, which is uh, our experiencer support team, which does triage. When people come into us, we talk to them and um, try to understand what it is they're looking for and what kind of needs they might have. Uh, so as I mentioned, that we're always looking for more therapists. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, please contact us. There's a contact page on there. And... Uh, I think that kind of covers it, uh, Shane. Uh, you know, the bottom line is thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, the work that you do is is important. It's very important. 
to get the word out to the, to the, to the populace and to understand that there is something else going on in the world, folks, besides politics. I couldn't agree more. And thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Les. I feel like, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from you tonight and I'm definitely going to check out the YouTube and uh, check out all the good work and research you guys are doing. So uh, again, thank you so much. And, all our listeners out there, definitely go support Les and all the awesome work uh, he's doing and Opus is doing. Thank you so much, Arn. I really appreciate that. And uh, we're all just an ecosystem, just trying to help each other out. You got to have people like us to kind of get people talking about the topics. And then you got you for the back as far as uh, you know, helping people with the experiences. You have investigators for it. It's multi-compartmentalized as far as all of this stuff goes. But I think the combination of everybody starting to really work together and kind of bounce at things from all angles are really how we're starting to actually get somewhere as far as the research goes. And again, thanks to people like you that have organizations that are a little bit different than just the standard share your story, but actually like a help organization. Like it's a wonderful thing. And I can't uh, commend you enough for the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shane. I really appreciate it. And, and uh, it was a lot of fun tonight, guys. A lot of fun. It was awesome. Thank you again. All right. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Always appreciated. And if you guys leave a five-star review, we'll, of course, read on the show, give you guys a big shout-out. And uh, no matter what you guys do, it helps out to uh, make it so that more people are able to see the show, helps out the algorithm. And your other eyes option, if you guys have already left an awesome review or rating for the show, you guys can continuously just keep sharing the show through word of mouth. doesn't matter who with. It can be with a friend. It can be with an enemy. It can be with uh, anybody at work that you think might have an interest in this topic or somebody in your family, just don't forget to share the show because it's the best way to help the show organically grow. And if you guys can't do any of that, we just greatly appreciate that you guys are listening. And uh, don't forget, you guys can always set on auto-download. Even if you don't listen to every single episode, it'll give us that listen and keep pushing us up in the list and make it so more people are able to see us. And you guys know the drill. Do all the internet things, all the social medias, all the Instagrams, all the YouTubes, all the Discords, all that good stuff. Just uh, get up with us, reach out to us, have a chat with us, and... Thanks for listening. And uh, don't forget to report those encounters. And uh, every single thing that we've mentioned throughout this entire show is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, I have been the one, the only Shane Squatch. And I've been Oren. And guys, I tell you every single week because you guys got to be reminded because, you know, we all like to be a little bit different, but that's okay. Don't forget, guys, to always, always stay bizarre. 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 Little gray alien?